0: Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, it's great to see you. I'm so glad you're back. Uh, We are in our second uh, Sunday of a five-Sunday series, at least five Sundays, that we're calling uh, InstaFam. Uh, snapshots of a healthy family. And if you'll take your eyes off the screen for a moment and look at the center of the stage, you'll notice I'm not really here. Ooh, magic. Uh, no, I had to be away this, uh, uh, this Sunday, but uh, uh, this was such an important passage, I wanted to be sure to bring the message to you uh, personally. Actually, as I asked all of the rest of our preaching staff if uh, they would fill in, they They uh, all said that they had other commitments. Truth be known, I think they just didn't want to teach this passage (laughs) because it's somewhat controversial, but no, 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 no. Uh, They all did have legitimate reasons, and I did want to preach this passage as well. So uh, to those of you here in the room, those of you out on the patio, uh, those of you who are watching live online, uh, we're glad that you've joined us. In fact, where I am this morning, I may be watching my own self live online. How's that work? I'll let you figure that theological problem out. But, um, hey, I have a question. I, I like uh, I like good movies. I like a good story in any form. Uh, and so um, uh, I have a question. How many of you have seen the classic movie, The Princess Bride? Yes, 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 yes. I'm sure you have many uh, favorite lines out of that story. And my favorite line in the movie is the wedding scene, which builds up to that beautiful setting for the wedding. And then the priest steps up and says, marriage, marriage is what brings us together today. Well, that's where we are. And so we come to the most, I think the most famous and uh, classic passage on marriage in the entire Bible. It's in Ephesians 5, and today I'm going to read verse 18, uh, the second part, and verses 21 through 33 of Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn them on or open a hard copy to that passage. This is God's Word. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ "...loved the church and gave himself for her, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies." For he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each of you is to love his wife as himself and the wife is to respect her husband. And so, Lord, we ask now that you would help us as we open our eyes and look at your word, open our minds that we may rightly understand the scriptures and uh, unlock our spirits, that part of us that most directly relates to you, that we may respond in faith and trust and obedience and blessing. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Now, there's uh, uh, there's so much here uh, that I'm going to take today and next Sunday, two Sundays actually, to cover it. And that won't be enough time, But but here we go. Now, there are many reasons that that we're studying this passage even though many of you here aren't married. I mean, first is because we're supposed to study God's Word as His followers and we're to learn uh, what He says because it's there. And He wants us to know Him. He wants us to know His will. He wants us to know His uh, way. Second, uh, plenty of you here are are single and uh, who would consider marriage. And, and so understanding marriage, the right understanding of marriage is very important to you, and you're going to be able to apply what we cover today immediately. Third, some of you here uh, and some of us here uh, have been divorced, and um, one of the dangers that you face is that you may have a more distorted view of marriage than people who've never been married. Uh, And fourth, obviously many of you here are married and and you need help. Well, that would be all of us (laughs) who are married. We need a little more help. Well, let me just say this, that marriage we find in the Scriptures here was God's idea. There are those who say, well, marriage is just a human institution. It's a social construct. Human beings were sitting around in a cave one day and said, right, hey, this might work good. Let's let's try this. But no, no, no. The Bible says that marriage originated in the heart of God, not in the heart of man. It originated in the heart of God because he loves humanity and wants the best for us. And it's one of God's secrets for uh, life at its finest. Uh, and helps us understand Him in our relationship to, uh, uh, to Him. And so, um, He knows best, therefore, how marriage should work, why it should work, what the purpose of marriage is, and we need to know the same thing. So let me just say this right up front. The big point is this. You can have a healthy marriage if you understand and pursue God's purpose and plan, and ways to relate in your marriage. And so the first thing I want you to understand and jot this down in your notes, I think it's going to be on the screen, is this. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit to live the way that Christ expects wives and husbands to live together in marriage. Now, I mentioned this last week, but it's so important I want to start here again. Ephesians five eighteen, the second part of the verse commands, Be filled with the Spirit. Now, as I said, I referenced this last Sunday. I want to spend a little more time on it here. This means, to be filled with the Spirit means, first of all, that you are a Christian, for only Christians have the indwelling presence of God, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that when we become a Christian, when we become a, a, are born again, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us. We have His Spirit. Uh, the scriptures say, if you do not have the Spirit, you do not belong to Jesus Christ. And so, uh, that's what that means. Now, being filled with the Spirit also means that you and I, in an ongoing fashion, consciously yield ourselves to the control, to the empowering, to the direction of, the guidance of God the Holy Spirit. Uh, on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis. Uh, The commands and the expectations that God has for wives and that God has for husbands in marriage are beyond our natural human ability to to consistently follow. Uh, Persons who are not believers, and some of you here are not believers, our churches exist in part for those of you who are not yet followers of Christ, to check out the claims of Christ. Persons who are not believers can certainly benefit from God's wisdom and God's principles uh, for marriage, but what is about to be described and prescribed by God uh, in His Word is for Christians. This is where the power comes from. A marriage can only be what God has designed it to be when the members of the marriage are the kind of people God intended for them to be, and that comes by the indwelling working of His Holy Spirit in us. He says it this way, If you have the fullness of the Spirit down, this is what marriage will be. And then he's going to describe it in verses 21 through 33. The biblical model of marriage will not work without the fullness of, of God the Holy Spirit. I can't overemphasize that. Uh, it, it, let me illustrate it this way. It's kind of like those television commercials where some expert is, uh, is doing something and he says, now, boys and girls, don't try this at home. You don't have the right equipment. Well, God is saying to you and me here, don't try this without the Holy Spirit. This will not work. Now, in this passage, we find Uh, that those who are filled with the Holy Spirit will exhibit several characteristics, and one of them is this. Jot this down, number two, in your notes. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that those who are filled with the Holy Spirit will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, out of fear for Christ. Ephesians 5.21 tells us that, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, the word submit here is one of the red flag words and hot topics uh, in our culture uh, today. But I encourage you not to turn me off by any um, cultural filters that you bring to this discussion. We all have cultural filters and we have to intentionally work at pressing through them. So what this term means is this, it means that one gives up their individual rights for the common good. I mean it was a military term. It was a military term. It meant to to voluntarily give up rights uh, to a, a an authority or an ordained authority. Uh, the main idea is that of of voluntarily voluntarily ranking one under another for the common good, for the benefit of all. Uh, It's the idea of giving up or relinquishing one's rights for the benefit of another person or another people or another group. Now, in our context as followers of Christ, it's expressed this way in the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. You'll see it on the screen. In fact, read it out loud with me in loud voice. Here we go. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Now, in Ephesians five twenty-two through 33, then God follows this passage to tell us what this looks like for a wife to submit to her husband out of reverence for Christ, and for a husband to submit to his wife out of reverence for Christ. Then... What it looks like for children to submit to their parents out of reverence for Christ. And then for parents, what it looks like for parents to submit to their children. That seems unreal, but we'll explain that in a couple of weeks when we get there. What parent, it looks like for parents to submit to their children out of reverence for Christ. Now, we're going to look at kids and parents in week uh, four and five. Today and next week, I'm going to address wives and husbands, husbands and wives. So. The rule of thumb uh, from God for you and me in marriage is this. You always serve the needs of your spouse before your own. I always serve the needs of my spouse before my own. Husbands are always to serve the needs of their wives before their own. Wives are always to serve the needs of their husbands before their own. Again, this is countercultural today. It was countercultural in Paul's day, uh, dramatically, way more countercultural. He seemed like a radical uh, in that. Day, but he elevated and and blessed god God elevated uh the value and and the the uh, relationships of wives and children in the culture like never ever uh before well today god's command God's expectation and God's plan for those of us who are christ followers in marriage is to to be continually living under the control and the power of the Holy Spirit and therefore always submitting to one another out of love for and and loving awe and reverence for our Lord Jesus Christ, for who He is, for what He's done, and for what He means to us. And then he starts this passage on marriage, uh, relationship, in the roles of wives and husbands, uh, he starts it out by looking uh, at uh, what this looks like for wives to live in this fashion. Uh, so we can have healthy marriages if we first understand what this looks like for wives who are followers of Christ. And what does it look like? Well, let me sum it up in this statement. J- number three, jot it down in your notes. Wives, submit to your husbands. Submit to your husbands. He says in verses 22 through 24, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. And the wife, verse 33, is to respect her husband. Now... Even though God in His Word has just told us that we're to submit to one another, one another, each other, out of reverence for Christ, we still have a hard time swallowing these verses when that we read them out loud and they're specifically addressed to, to you wives today, Christian wives, don't we? We do for a lot of reasons. Well, right away, some of you uh, would, are thinking and would say to yourselves, whether you are men or women, husbands or wives, okay, Keith, That means you let your husband just walk all over you? I mean, you're saying I should be some kind of Victorian-era wifey that is always yielding and giving in and docile and passive and subdued and seen but not heard? I mean, isn't this just about suppressing women? Isn't this some kind of Neanderthal view that women are possessions, that they are inferior that there be to abused and used by men, doesn't this mean blind obedience to to men? Let, let me say it, Let me explain it this way. No. No, <laughs> it does not mean this is not what this means, and uh, I'm going to begin to unpack it. I'm not going to get get it all unpacked today. It's going to take today and next week, but here we go. Uh, Let me first address some of the things that this does not mean. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. First of all, it does not mean this. Number one, God is not calling all women of the world to submit to all of the men. No. That would be a disaster. Uh, And those who have promoted that have caused great disaster and suffering in this world. If all women, by the way, submitted to all men, they could not submit uniquely to their husbands. No, this is not what that means. This is not about women submitting to men in all circumstances. Second, here's what it does not mean. God is not calling women to be some stereotypical role of a wife in a family. Um We hear this very very frequently it 's usually described in some kind of role that is post industrial age where uh this is, are you meaning this just means to obey your husband always blindly to be docile to be passive to stay at home The husband is the breadwinner always the 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 wives stay home and nurture uh, uh the children uh no. That's not what this means. God is not calling p- women to this kind of stereotypical role in, in marriage. For Think about this. The Bible was inspired by God and written to be true for all people, in all places, in all cultures and societies, at all times in history. And so it can't be interpreted by any stereotypical role of any particular culture in any place in time in, in history. I mean, you just think about what else God says about women in the Bible. You read about Deborah, the ancient leader of the, uh, of the ancient uh, nation of the Hebrews in the book of Judges, who led and delivered uh, the nation. Uh, a, a political and warrior leader of the nation, you read about the woman described in proverbs thirty one who was who was uh, very effectively and progressively involved in business deals and real estate transactions. Uh, you read about Priscilla and Eunice, and Lois, the great women who were lay theologians and great teachers of the Scriptures in the first century uh, church. No, 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 no. This is not some kind of, God is not saying there's some kind of stereotypical role here for women. You see, this view that we're reading about in Ephesians 5 of marriage did not come from uh, the traditional view of marriage. It did not come from the modern idea of marriage and family. It did not come from the uh from the cultural right or the cultural left. No, it didn't come from any of those places. It came from above. It came from the heart of God and the description of God and the mind of God. Now, third thing, this does not mean that God is declaring that women are inferior to men. Not any stretch of the imagination. A little later in this passage, uh The Apostle Paul refers us back to the very first few pages of the Scriptures, the book of Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, with God creating uh, humanity and even creating the first marriage and describing the one flesh union. There uh, we find that God created human beings in His image, male and female, He created them. Male and female, both in his image, created to reflect the glory and the character and the nature of God. No, women, men and women are created equal in God's eyes. This is not some, uh, God is not saying here that women are inferior uh, to men. Fourth, God is not saying that wives make no decisions in the marriage and simply obey their husbands, that the husbands always say who, what, when, where. He's not saying that. Now, I'm going to explain this more fully, how this works out next week. I'm not going to answer this question completely, so you've got to come back next week. So here's just some of what um, uh, this does mean in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. Number one, to submit to your husband means that you give up your life for his good. Just jot that down. It means that you give up your life for His good. Lay down your life for His good. Look at verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything, in everything. Well, how does, how does the church submit to Christ? If wives are to submit to their husbands like the church submits to Christ, what does that look like? Well, the Lord Jesus told us, In uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 23, you'll see it on the screen. Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to follow me, follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. In other words, give up your own way. We follow Christ, we who are the members of his church, we follow him by denying ourselves. That means I'm giving up having my own way. Directing my own way and taking up our cross. Well, you see, in the corner of our building here, the cross there. It, it represents. It was a um, uh, an instrument of capital punishment. People died on the cross. They were executed on the cross. He says, we voluntarily take up our own cross. We give up. We we die to ourselves daily and live for Christ. That's the way we follow Him. Give up our own way as first priority and laying down our lives for. Christ and his uh, purposes, we give up control of the of the direction, the pace, and the ownership of our lives to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for his good and his glory and the accomplishment of his purposes uh in this world for the good of all all people that's how we do this as Uh, husbands and wives, but in, in in a few verses later, verses 25 through 27, the Scripture says this to husbands. We'll come back to it next week. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. Okay, wives, listen to this. Husbands, you too. So just so when a wife submits to her husband, it means, wives, that you see what God wants him to know and be and do. You see uh, uh, all that could be uh, happen in him uh, by God for his glory, and you Commit to say, I feel drawn to be useful to you and useful in the hands of God in helping you become all that God wants you to be for God's glory and for your own good and to help present you, my husband, to God, uh, the man he created you to be. And I want to be useful in your life to help you be that. That's what we mean by you lay down your life in pr- uh, for the good of your husband. I will, you say, I want to be useful for you rather than I want to use you. So rather than always just deferring to your husband, that's not what submission means, being passive. Therefore, if you're cooperating with his good, much of the time if you're biblically submitting yourself to your husband, you're going to be confronting your husband lovingly for his good. Let me give you some illustrations. If a husband wants to bully and walk all over his wife, is that good for him? Well, we know it's not good for her, but is that good for him? No. No. Is it a God given need for him uh, to, to walk all over and bully his wife? No, God didn't that's not a God given need. And, and let's get more radical. If a husband abuses his wife in any way, in any way, is that good for him? No. Is that God honoring? Is that a God honoring need that God placed in him to abuse his wife emotionally, physically, and em- no, of course not, absolutely not. And so, wives, watch this now. Stick with me here. If if a wife just takes this stuff because she puts her need for peace or or provision over her husband's need for truth and repentance and healing and forming into the man that God wants him to be, the husband that he really should be to his wife and the follower of Jesus that God intends for him to become, that's not submission. That's bad for both of you. What he needs is loving confrontation, getting in his face rightly, done effectively and for the right reason. Loving confrontation is powerful for the transformation of husbands into the image of Christ. What a gift a wife will be to her husband who, const- who constantly, properly calls him on things that are inappropriate and ungodly and unchristlike and destructive and harmful to, to the marriage, and the family, and to the world. Loving for for the right reason in the loving and effective ways. It's. Speaking the truth in love, the Scripture says, uh, that is biblical submission. Submission means I'm, I'm giving up my life for your good. That means I'm going to work for your good. And a bunch of that will be confrontation, not passivity. Not passivity. Now, there are, there are wrong and destructive ways to go about this kind of confrontation. That produces nothing good either. For example, nagging is one of them. Nagging is one of them. I mean, the Bible, God in other places even says, now, don't nag. It's a bad thing. Listen to this. Take a look on the screen. A nagging spouse is like the drip, drip, drip of a leaky faucet. You can't turn it off, and you can't get away from it. Uh, one, one writer said this, uh, a nag, having a nagging wife is like being nibbled to death by a duck. <laughs> Woo! We don't want that. And so that's one of the things. Now, a writer puts it this way. One writer put it this way. A truly submissive person is constantly confronting and and then often being totally quiet. When it says, submit to one another, when the Bible says, submit, wives, submit to your husband, then the Bible says, serve the needs of your husband rather than your own. It is not saying be passive is not saying always be active. It's saying choose your passivity and choose your activity on the basis of the needs of the other person. That means in many cases, in many cases you are extremely confrontational. Extremely confrontational. Now, wives, this also means that your husband is to be used by God to help you become the person God intended for you to become. And so he may need to be speaking uh, the truth in love to you about your attitudes and your actions and your behaviors and your speech and relating relating to him if he's got the guts to do it. So let me ask you, how do you respond? How do you respond to that? Do you listen? Are you teachable? Or are you a nuclear reaction? A nuclear reactor? (laughs) Good grief. Well, you better become teachable. Because it's part of God's gift to you to have a husband who submits to you that, that way. Uh, the Scriptures say this in Proverbs twenty one nineteen: Better to live in a wilderness than with a nagging and hot-tempered wife. Is that you? I'd repent. Uh, in Proverbs twenty five twenty four, God says this, Better to live in the corner of a roof than to shower, share a house with a nagging wife. And so be careful. Well, we've got to wrap this up. We've got to wrap this up, so let me ask you a question. Some of you are saying, well, Pastor, I've got all these other questions, so how does this work out? I mean, who makes the decisions in the family? Come back next week, we're going to answer that one. Come back next week, we're going to answer that one. And, Pastor, i got a bigger question as a wife. What's this thing about the husband is the head of the wife, is Christ is the head of the church? I'm just supposed to give everything away to him? How does that work out? Well, there's a good answer to that. I'm going to answer it next week. So you come back you come back. Now, some of you are saying, well, pastor, I realize I don't have, I've not been living this way, but I want to, and I need the power. Well, if you're already a believer, you need to begin to practice, start by practicing consciously, intentionally on a daily basis, and moment by moment through the day, yield yourself Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow Jesus. Yield yourself to the filling, to the control, to the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray something like this, Lord, every day. Lord, I turn loose the steering wheel of my life. I ask, Holy Spirit, now that you empower me that you fill me, that you direct me, that you possess me, that you permeate me. May everything that I say and think and do and choose and feel today be done in demonstration of your spirit and your power. And I thank you by faith that you will answer this prayer because it is a command of your word and your will and ways. And so I'm just going to assume by faith that you are now doing that in me. And then you proceed on into the day. Others of you would say, well, Pastor, uh, I've never, I don't have the Holy Spirit because I've never become a Christian. What must I do to be saved? Well, here's what you must do. First of all, you must repent of your sin. That means you change your mind about your self-righteousness, that you're not righteous enough, you're not okay with God, you're sinful, and give up your self-directed life, and you repent of it, and you turn away from your sin, and you turn to place your faith in Jesus. Second thing, you do that. You place your faith in Jesus. That means you believe, not only believe that Jesus died on the cross and, and took his, your sin in His body on the cross and paid the penalty for it in your place, but that He rose from the dead, proving He had the power to do that very thing and is alive today to apply that to you personally. And then you place your active trust in Jesus. You say, Lord, not only do I believe You've provided salvation, but I need it. And I ask you to come into my heart and life and forgive my sin and take control of me. Be my Lord and my God and my Savior. Give me your gift of eternal life. So I want to give you the opportunity to do that now. So everywhere, pray with me. Pray with me. Let me lead you through a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe you are that Savior. And I now repent of my sin. I'm sorry for my sins. And I believe that you died on the cross taking my sin in your body on the cross. And that you made appropriate payment for it. Atoned for it. And that you rose from the dead and are alive today to help me. And so I ask now that you come into my life. Come in, as, come in, Lord Jesus, into my life as my Savior and forgive me. And come in as my Lord and my God and take control of me. And I will serve you as you give me strength all the days of my life. Amen. Now, one more thing. Once we have repented of our sin and placed our faith in Jesus, uh, the Bible says that uh, Jesus commands us, to go public with our faith and confess him before men. In Matthew chapter 10, he said, Whosoever confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father in heaven. But whoever is ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of him before my Father who is in heaven. And he even designed the method for us to go public with our faith and celebrate our, our personal salvation. It's called baptism in the Bible, believer's baptism. And we are prepared to help you celebrate your Christian baptism uh, this morning. Right now, as we speak, the men and women on our baptism team are prepared and waiting for you. As soon as this service is over, I want you to go right out these doors, across the lobby... Uh, out onto the patio and turn to your right, you will find yourself in our outdoor baptism area. The men and women are there on our team, and we have everything that you need to celebrate your baptism. We have changing areas. We have changes of clothes. We have towels, and we're prepared to do that. People confess publicly their faith in Jesus every week here on the Dogwood campus after our services. You be one of them. You be one of them. Well, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing just a moment. Uh, Those of you who have made other spiritual commitments and maybe even have more questions about this issue because I just raised a lot of questions, on your dogwood response card in your uh, bulletin, you can indicate if you prayed to receive Christ, if you've made a recommitment of your life to Christ, if you have more questions about how to become a Christian, if you have more questions about anything about the spiritual, the Christian life, um, Put them on there. If you have prayer requests or questions about uh, this topic that we're studying together these few weeks, write them out on your card and turn it in uh, when the offering basket is passed. So pray with me one more time. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these men and women in this room. Thank you for making a way for us uh, to know your will and ways for a healthy marriage and a healthy family. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.